This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Now and Not Yet. Pressing in when you're waiting, wanting, and restless for more. Written and narrated by best-selling author Ruth Cho Simons and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. And now, Christ and Pop Culture presents Persuasion with Aaron Straza and Hannah Anderson. Hello, everyone. I'm Erin Straza, and with me is Hannah Anderson. We're your hosts for Persuasion, the place where fine ladies, rational minds, and the best kind of company gather to discuss all sorts of ideas and issues. Thanks so much for joining this conversation today. We're actually wrapping up our mini-series for late summer called Getting By. And in each of these episodes, we're inviting a guest who has something specific to share about how we can get by in life, considering the world as it is today. Now, in the previous conversations, we visited with Wendy Alsip about enduring and difficulty, and also with Gina Delfonso on the importance of friendship. And here we are at the end of this little mini series, Hannah, we have one last conversation. This has been really enjoyable for me because we're talking to friends and we're talking about books. I love both of those things. Yes. And I think the thing that I have enjoyed the most is the frankness of the conversations to be able to just acknowledge that we're all in this really bad time and we may be just getting by. <laughs> But (laughs) um, I don't know. I feel like we've been far enough into this whole process over the last few months that if we can't be honest at this point, then there's just no point. There's no point to even having the conversation. Right. Right. Now we can tear all of that down and just say, this is where we're at. And really, it's me hiding with books. That's my favorite thing to do and to escape for a bit. And that's one of the reasons why I've enjoyed these conversations, because the books give me something else to think about. And it also gives me kind of like the long term perspective that there's more going on in the world. And it kind of gives me hope that things will turn in some way in the future. And I'm going to trust going to turn to good, right? Because we can't have worse. (laughs) There's not much place to go down, right? I say that famous last words. But that's right. (laughs) But I do think also this this focus on books and um, other conversations um, that come through the books and storytelling also remind us that we're not the only ones in history and time to experience have experienced struggles or dark times. And I think it it gives you that sense of perspective as well that, all right, this is tough. This is, you know, not what I would have picked for 2020, but who gets to pick, right? Um, and, And so I've enjoyed, even when we talked with Gina last time, just remembering that, um, throughout history, there's just been all kinds of hard things and difficult things. And, We just are lucky enough, as I told my daughter this week, to live in historical times. 
Yeah, so memorable. We won't forget this one, right? There's no way that 2020 will be a blur of like, what happened in that year? We don't know. This hasn't been marked. And I I think that history part and that storytelling part, that is such the perfect point for us to land on today because of our guest and the topic. And Friends, you are going to love this. We have a guest today. It's Luke Harrington. I'm sure you know him, all of you who are connected to Christ and pop culture. He's been with us on Persuasion before. Uh, He's a longtime contributor for Christ and pop culture. He also hosts several of his own podcasts. He's a published author. He has so many things going on. Um, But I do want to mention his first book was a novel, Ophelia Alive. And he also has a nonfiction humor debut from Thomas Nelson titled Murder Bears, Moonshine, and Mayhem, Strange Stories from the Bible to Leave You Amused, Be Amused, and Hopefully Informed. I love that title. Luke, we are so thrilled that you're back with us. Hey, I am thrilled to be here. The last time I was on was a blast. Uh, Hopefully this time measures up to it. We'll see. I'm sure (laughs) it will. I'm sure it will. That's right. (laughs) We're depending on you. Come through. Oh, man. That's the, the burden of being the funny one. Um, That's right. You need to carry the <laughs> yeah, because whole show no now. longer are you just an amateur funny person. I mean, with this book, oh. you have gone pro, right? So now is, uh, you must. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not just a published humor book. It's a published humor book from one of the largest publishers in the world. So uh, it's, there's a lot of pressure. Yep. <laughs> so much. <laughs> well, we're glad you're here to talk to us all about it. But before we talk about this book or even your humor, we just have to ask you um, some very unfunny questions like, (laughs) how are you getting by? How are you doing? Are you getting by? Do you you want unfunny answers to these questions or? Well, I would prefer funny because at this point. (laughs) I don't, I don't know how to answer that exactly. Um, I mean, the the truth of it is that, like, I almost feel bad about this, but I'm one of the few people in 2020 who has some something to look forward to at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> this this uh, podcast, I, I guess we said, is going out September 1st, but um, as we're recording it, we're about two weeks removed from the launch date for my book. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm about to publish a book with one of the big five publishers. Um, Thomas Nelson is is owned by Harper Collins uh, for anyone who doesn't know, which is I believe the I'm going to get this wrong, but I think they're the second largest publisher in the world, maybe third. They're big. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean that's I don't know I don't know if it's that's every writer's dream, but it's a lot of writers' dreams, right, to publish with a big publisher. So um, yeah, I mean I mean all things considered, I'm like one of the only people having a good year this mm-hmm. year. Um, which again, I, I like. I feel bad about that. Like, I feel feel like I I need to be miserable with everyone else. Um, so, so you're getting by by being successful this year. Is that what you're telling us? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ask, ask me in a couple of weeks when we know how the book is selling. Um, I, I'm getting by because I have a, a, a metaphorical light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. You know, um, and I mean, I mean, things for me have been going very good. Like I, I just bought a house. Um, well, congratulations. Yeah. I'm, awesome. I'm sit- sitting in it right now. If you can't tell from the echoiness, we don't have a ton of stuff to put in it yet. So it's very echoey in here. 
Um, <laughs> we, we bought some, some, it's, it's hardwood floors. Um, so we bought some rugs and we bought some furniture, but very little of it has come in because COVID has destroyed yeah. supply chains. Um, so we're sitting around sitting, sitting on the floor waiting for our furniture to show up. Um, <laughs> but this is how I, I love this house. Like I never in a thousand years thought I would own a house this cool. Um, it's just a beautiful house. Um, so yeah, I just, I bought a great house. I have my book coming out from a major publisher. Like I'm actually doing pretty well. Um, but to be the fair, honest answers we need, right? right? Because there are still good things happening in the world, even though there's a whole lot that isn't great. And so we want to rejoice with you. Do not feel bad, Luke. <laughs> Don't and, feel bad. <laughs> and to be fair, this has not been an easy road to get this book published. I mean, it's it not, not been like you just had this wild success all of a sudden. I mean, like I remember, um, you know, some of the process that you went through, even just back when you were writing to feel you alive and you kind of were going to come and do this nonfiction book. And so it's been a long road to get to this point. It's been seven years from the book's conception to its publication. Um, I was, (sighs) the seeds of this book were planted before I was writing for Christ and pop culture at all, you know? Um, and it's bounced from publisher to publisher. It's bounced between the Christian and the secular markets about a dozen times. You know, it's um, it's it's one of those books like it's it's too secular for the Christian market. It's too Christian for the secular market. Nobody nobody wants to touch it. Um, and of course, me not being a famous author doesn't help either. Um, so before we get too far, let's catch our listeners up. I mean, like you're saying some things that. I would imagine are fascinated. They're like, what do you mean? Like, tell <laughs> us about this book. Tell us what inspired you to write it. Why is it taken so long to find the right publisher? Why? What is this? that we're- Yeah, sure. I mean, I think the story of this book is pretty interesting. Like, but it's also like me talking about me, which everyone thinks they're fascinating when they talk about themselves. So <laughs> I don't know. Stop me if I get boring here. Um <laughs> No, I've got but nothing the, else the, to do right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're the entertainment, Luke. Come on. Okay. All right. <laughs> Keep going. So, <laughs> as Aaron said, the title of the book is Murder Bears, Moonshine, and Mayhem, Strange Stories from the Bible to Leave You Amused, Bemused, and Hopefully Informed, um, which is a title we went around and around on. So, I'm glad which people like it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been through a dozen other titles in its lifetime. Um, and the, I mean, the gist of it is here's a funny book about all the weird stuff in the Bible, basically. Um, and it's just, it's, I mean, it's really just me retelling stuff, um, which, I mean, that's kind of become my shtick. <laughs> so I just, <laughs> I take stories that already exist and retell them with a bunch of jokes and people seem to like that. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> it's what I'm, it's what I'm doing for, it's what I'm doing for Christ in pop culture right now. I'm, I'm writing this fads, crazes, panics column where I'm just like, here's a thing that happened. And, and I don't know. People, around. But yeah. we need that because your perspective <laughs> allows us to see it from a different angle where you are somehow you've developed this lens for seeing things in a way that is, it's a little bit quirky and odd, if I might say, but then it helps you to see it 
and you're like, oh my goodness, I never noticed that before. And then you just join the laugh with it. And so I so appreciate the way that you do that. And this book is full of it. I mean, full, full of those things, not full of it, but full of those things. And it's so enjoyable. Too, but, uh... Yeah, 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 that too. <laughs> and I, I really appreciate you saying that because, you know, when I, when I started, when I first started writing, I was like, well, what am I going to write about? Nobody wants to hear what I have to say. I don't have any original thoughts. And then you know, when I started, when I started blogging, people were like sharing my stuff. Like I'd never thought about this this way. And I was like, oh, okay. I thought my thoughts were a lot less interesting than that, but apparently, (laughs) apparently they're pretty unique. I don't know. Um, so yeah, I mean the, basically the gist of the book is it's, it's just my slanted take on some of these Bible stories that you may have missed in Sunday school. Um, which is, I don't, I don't know. When I started writing about this stuff years ago, I thought it was all pretty ho-hum, you know, like this stuff's in the Bible. It's been sitting there for thousands of years. Like, doesn't everybody know it's there? But like, it kind of blew up the world when I started talking about it. Yeah. I mean, this goes all the way back to the year of our Lord, 2013, um, which feels like ancient history now. That was back when we had a president who read books still. Um, but um <laughs> I had been teaching and the, the, my school had declined to renew my contract. So I was in this place of like, well, guess I'll stay home, raise babies and get serious about writing, you know, cause I'd always meant to do more writing. I knew that I knew about this website crack.com. Um, back in 2013, they were in my opinion, one of the best websites on the internet. Like they were the, they were the most popular humor site on the internet and they, earned it, you know, like it, they, they published tons of really great content. And what was great about them is they basically had no barrier to entry. Like just anyone could walk up metaphorically and pitch an article, you know? So it, it seemed like a really good opportunity, you know? So I was just like, okay, sure. I'll, I'll pitch some articles to cracked. And I, you know, I got a few accepted. And one of the ones I got accepted was a piece called Six Filthy Jokes You Won't Believe Are From the Bible. I, I went around and around with editors on it, you know, like they were really skeptical <laughs> of it for, for whatever reason. Um, so I was, I was honestly a little bit shocked when they gave me the green light to go ahead and write it. But I did, you know, and after, after I wrote it, I was like, okay, I'm exhausted. I don't think I'm working with Cracked again because I just can't take that kind of pressure anymore. <laughs> Um, but then when it finally went live, like it blew up the world for a couple of days, like people were sharing it everywhere. I was seeing my name and newspapers from Australia. Like someone, someone emailed me a picture of a, like a picture of a print newspaper from Australia talking about my article for craft. Oh, that's crazy. Um, and it was like, yeah, I mean, this is the closest I've ever been to famous, you know, like (laughs) there was, it was one of those moments where you think, oh, my writing career is taking off and then nothing, you know, and And one of the things that happened as a result of this article was I got offered a book deal. Um, Like two days after the article, I had this email pop up in my inbox that was like, we think there's book potential here. And so, yeah, they they pitched me a book and their title, which I guess they're going to have to bleep (laughs) for this, but their title for it was Holy the dirtiest bits in the Bible, obviously conceptualized for the secular market. Um, and they did use an asterisk, so whatever. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, yeah, I mean, they, they, they said, you know, you're, you seem like the right person to write this because you know how to be funny about this stuff without crossing the line of sacrilege. And I said, yeah, I guess I can do that. Sure. Um, 
you know, and when you're like six months into your get serious about writing attempt and you're already getting offered book deals, that feels pretty good. So you yeah. sign with them right I, away. I think every writer would be thrilled to be sought after out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Um, but then, of course, that went nowhere. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, we had a we had one nibble from Penguin Books um, early on and then nothing and they stopped returning my emails and it was like i guess i'm fired you know i was just kind of sitting there going well feeling semi-famous was fun while it lasted maybe maybe it's all over maybe i should pack it in and quit while i'm at <laughs> um and then out of the blue uh i got contacted by someone uh from a publisher called lexum press um which is a small christian publisher a, a primarily an academic publisher. Um, so I don't know why they would be interested in my book, but they were. Um, Lexum is, they're a subsidiary of Faith Life, who's the company that puts out Logos Bible software. So mm. that's the main thing they're known for. Um, but yeah, they were courting me pretty hard. Um, and, you know, they said, are you still working on that holy shit, the dirtiest bits in the Bible book? And I said, I guess I can be if you want me to be, you know. <laughs> now, obviously, um, obviously, uh, being a Christian publisher, they wanted to change the title. Um, so the contract I signed with them changed the title to Elisha and the Murder Bears and other strange Bible stories, um, which, to be honest, I hated that title at the time. But um, when I started mentioning to mentioning it to people, everyone seemed to love it. So that's kind of the one we were going to go with. Um, but anyway, I was contracted to Lexum for a year and a half. Um, I wrote the whole book under their supervision. Um, they were about to put it out. We were, we were like six months removed from the release date. We were talking cover design. We were doing copy editing. They were already asking me what I would be doing for a follow-up, you know? So that felt very, felt very real, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and then basically at the 11th hour, they pulled the plug. Um, and I guess what happened was, um, there was some exec who didn't even know about the project and he saw it and he lost his mind, like just hated it. Just, this is not the kind of thing we put out here at these oh. hollowed halls. So at that point I was kind of in this slough of despond, you know, because mm -hmm. um, I, I had, you know, I had spent like the last year pouring my heart and soul and not, not only this book, but my fault, what was going to be my follow-up novel um, which I couldn't interest anyone in, you know, I had been shopping that around and like nobody wanted that. And I was like, well, at least I got this murder bears thing coming out. And then that got canned as well. Fortunately, I got this friend, maybe you've heard of her named KB Hoyle. Mm -hmm. Award-winning, globally best-selling author of young adult and middle grade fiction. Um, <laughs> also, uh, uh, a CAPC veteran as, yep. as am I. Um, and she and I are, she and I are really good friends and she has been extremely supportive of, uh, my writing career, which I cannot thank her enough for. Um, so she kind of made it a personal project to get this book published. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so, I mean, she, she didn't have to do much. Um, she just basically, she shot me a text and was like, Hey, did you know there's a faith pitch event on Twitter tomorrow? Um, and for people who don't know what faith pitch is, it's uh, I mean, it's a, it's a book pitching event focused on Christian books. Um, 
And there's a whole slew of like book pitching events on Twitter where the idea is that writers pitch a book in one or two sentences, just send out a tweet and agents and editors who are interested then come to you. Um, So, you know, it's kind of like a Sadie Hawkins dance uh, of publishing. (laughs) Um, So that's what Faith Pitch was. And, you know, at the time she, she... she sent me the text like at midnight the day of the day it was happening, you know, like, and I was just like, ah, do I have to? But then I did. (laughs) And it's a good thing, huh? Yeah, It's a good thing. I, you know, (laughs) I, I sent out the, the, the four pitches that are allowed throughout the course of the day. And by the end of the day, I had an email in my inbox from an editor at HarperCollins Christian Publishing, uh, Thomas Nelson, um, and she, she said, you know, I saw your thing about sex jokes and butt jokes in the Bible <laughs> and I'm intrigued, which tells you what a high quality sort of person I am. <laughs> I think that those were her words, I believe. Um, and I said, you know, if you're interested in my book, you're high quality in my opinion. Um, <laughs> so I sent her the, I sent her the book proposal and within 24 hours, she wrote me back and she says, she says, Hey, I, laughed on every page. I am really impressed at how reverent this is. And I'm really impressed at how well-researched it is. And I was like, well, those are the exact three things I was looking to hear from an editor. So sign me up, you know? Um, and by the, by the end of the summer, she was offering me a book deal. And I, you know, I mean, the rest is history where two weeks removed from the date it drops. And so far they haven't canceled on me. So, (laughs) so it's good. (laughs) This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At BOW, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. You know, Luke, hearing you tell this story and the ups and downs and how different people responded to the book, I I just want to affirm what Aaron said earlier about you have a very distinct perspective. And I think that's what you offer up in retelling these stories. Because for me, when I read this book, I had that same sense of, okay, I did know these stories existed, but I never saw them so um, just frankly portrayed. And and I, and what I mean (laughs) is, is like, you have no artifice whatsoever. And, and there's no attempt to be like, this is all easily explained. It's like, here's a story. That's weird. <laughs> I don't have any idea what's going on here. <laughs> Which is typical of my life. So, 
So I think what's so what what appeals to me about it is I I can see how some people who might be precious would find this book very hard to read because mm-hmm. it does not maintain our sensibilities. Um mm. and, and it is very frank, straightforward and in that frankness it's hilarious. Because and you set this up at the beginning of the book just about what people find weird and funny and why we find it weird and funny and a lot of it has to do with, you know, our own kind of assumptions, cultural assumptions, but also basically some things are just inherently weird and that makes them inherently funny. And mm-hmm. I love that you just embrace <laughs> that weirdness and just the you know, like you use the word in the title bemused and that's all it is i mean like there's no explaining (laughs) this and and i feel like let's look at it and just be in shock and awe like what in the world (laughs) and i found reading this in this moment in time particularly relevant because like at some point you just look around what's happening right now and has happened over the last few months on this moment we're in and you're like well of course that happened (laughs) (laughs) yep add it on here we go and like there's it's just (laughs) such a refreshing i don't know if it's honesty or Mm -hmm. a lack of pretense um Mm. that your voice has that i think we really need even in in these moments of just sheer craziness to just stop trying to explain it away yeah. And I, I mean, I talk about that a bit in the book, I think is that, you know, a lot of the stories in the Bible are pretty dark because a lot of them were written at really dark times, you know? Um, and I, I don't know, I, I feel like um, in the world in maybe in the church in particular, there's a lot of people who will have, have more of an objection to like dark like portrayals of dark things than actual darkness, <laughs> you know, like they'll, they'll be more offended by portrayals of violence than actual violence, for instance, you know, mm-hmm. um, like, you know, there, I mean, I think we all know people who like shrug at George Floyd, but like are, you know, shocked and horrified by the the kids going to R rated movies in the church, you know? Sure. Um, and that's not like, that's not the sort of people who the Bible was written for primarily, you know, the Bible is very real. It portrays things as they are. Um, and I, I, I don't know if, if um, may, may, maybe the problem is that too many of us are too insulated from how dark a place the world can be. Um, and maybe, maybe that's the reason we're seeing so much chaos over COVID and stuff now. I don't know. I think you're right. And I I also think not being aware with how dark the world has always been, your ability to go back to these stories and show that way back then in history, things weren't all prim and proper. Like we (laughs) we have this romanticized idea of what the people in the Bible were like and what their lives were like. And I think as you retell these stories, it's almost as if we're realizing, oh, they were people and there was darkness and brokenness then too. And I feel like you've bridged a gap between 
that history in our moment and making it seem like we're all people and we're all struggling. That's what I appreciate about your book is it made the the stories in the Bible feel like, oh, this is like what it would be. It would be somebody talking about these poop jokes or whatever. <laughs> and And the way that you talk about things and you throw in the asides as you tell these stories and the quips, it just makes it feel much more accessible and real. And I have found that to be really helpful as I read through it and think about what's going on right now. It's like, okay, these are things that have happened and they are happening. And it felt a bit grounding for me to, to see it and to be able to laugh at it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that was, that was the goal with the book is to, you know, just present things as they are, you know, and not try to theologize about them or turn everyone into a, you know, a quick devotion with a simple lesson. I I was like, let's, let's present the Bible as it is. Here's what it says, you know, here's what the church fathers and the rabbinic tradition, the Talmud and stuff has to say about it. Here's what contemporary theologians have had to say about it. Here's some of the problems with um, with translation. You know, here's here's some of the stuff we just don't know yet what it means or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I was I really I, I'm publishing it with a Christian publisher. I wrote it with more of a general audience in mind, like just anyone who wants to know more about the Bible um, without without all the preaching. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's that's what I was that's what I was going for. You know, just like here's what it is. Um, so. Yeah, and as I read it, it, it occurred to me that the conversations you were having in it um, seemed, and I don't know if you were intending this or you were just trying to write a funny book, but <laughs> the the conversations about these difficult um, narratives in the Bible, I've seen people handle them in very serious ways. And mm-hmm. you read the commentaries or, you know, you read the... Um, explanations for these problematic texts, you know, that's what we call them, the the problem texts. Um, Mm -hmm. And it seems to me that humor, handling it through a lens of humor, actually Mm -hmm. allows for more emotional space and distance to be able to gain perspective on it that even the serious explanations don't allow for. So I was actually surprised as I was reading it, like there was a level at which these were very deeply uncomfortable stories for me, especially coming from um, an evangelical space that has a a certain um, disposition toward the scripture and so much of my work is taking the scripture seriously and all of this. And I, I'm reading your book and I'm enjoying it a great deal. And I'm also saying, am I allowed to enjoy this? Like, <laughs> but is it okay that this was all right here? Right, exactly. But also <laughs> feeling like the humor provided the emotional distance that I needed mm. to, mm-hmm. to be able to evaluate what was actually happening in the scripture. And I don't mm-hmm. know that you could accomplish that through a different genre. And mm. and so I was thinking about the, the role even that humor or dark humor plays in really difficult places that we're in. Like, you know how you get in that place where it's so horrible, so serious, that the only thing you can do is crack a joke. Because mm. you have to alleviate the, the hardness of it. Um, yeah. 
And so I found that happening, like, as a person who is deeply committed to the scripture, who spends, you know, like, my writing couldn't be, you know, 180 degrees different from yours in terms of the tone or the, I'm a very earnest writer, right? Very, like, <laughs> please, please take this seriously. <laughs> um, <laughs> so coming from that place, I also found that your book was able to accomplish things that I don't think I could ever accomplish. Wow. Thank you. Um, I think we actually talked about this last time I was here on the show, which was like four years ago when I was publishing my my horror novel. But um one of the things I really keep coming back to in my writing is kind of this, and, and, and in my thinking, is kind of the weird intersection between um, humor and horror, you know, and how mm. even though even though they may appear to be different things on the surface, at their core, they're very similar. It's just they're designed to evoke different emotions in people, right? There's that steady buildup of emotion and then the sudden release <laughs> of the mm. laugh or the scream or whatever. Um, and, um, you know, in, how in, in many ways they're, uh, how do I want to put this? They, they can deal with similar things, um, you know, when, when things are just too horrific to, <laughs> to deal with. You can either, right, so you can either, uh, be horrified or laugh at them. Yeah. Um, it gives you a tangential, like instead of coming straight on to something, yeah, you can come at it at an angle in a way that you can actually deal with it, that it's impossible. Like if you had to look at some of these stories in the, in the Bible, and just like, sit with them and recognize what they're actually saying. It's almost, um, you know, for some people, it's faith crushing. It's absolutely mm -hmm. um, impossible to deal with in a very serious, straightforward way. Um, mm. It's not that you're not straightforward or taking them seriously, but but you are acknowledging through the writing this is bizarre. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think I, f I feel like too many people <laughs> uh, come to Christianity through this kind of like kind of lens of nice middle-classness, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, be being Christian means being a, a, a nice person. Um, and you know, that then, then, then they read the Bible and it, the Bible was not really written by or for nice people. You know, <laughs> it was, it was written with few exceptions. Most of the books of the Bible were written in times of like horrific upheaval by people who were really suffering with real problems, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and that's not to say being nice is bad, but it is, it is to, uh, to say that maybe the message of the Bible isn't necessarily for nice people, you know, it's for people who have really suffered and really, uh, dealt with real stuff. Um, I, I'm curious, Luke. You've you've done so much work and thought in this this genre in this area. How do you see humor enriching faith? Maybe as it relates to faith in trial and suffering, but how do you see that? Just in terms of in faith, as you're walking it out, do you see how humor is actually? Um, enriching and growing faith or is a lack of humor does that have the opposite effect do you have any insight on that 
Gosh, that's a big question. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. <laughs> and I, I mean, I, I knew it was coming and I've been thinking about it all day, but I don't necessarily have an answer. I mean, I mean, I guess the, the first thing I would say is that God gave us our emotions um, and presumably he did so for a reason. So, I, I, I mean, presumably all of them have uses, right? Um, so, that, I mean, that, that's, that's kind of the, the general answer I'd give. Maybe I, I would come back to what Hannah was saying about like, humor being a means of talking about things that you can't address head on. Um, and I, I think that, I think that really puts it really well that there is a lot of stuff in this book that I would not personally be comfortable, comfortable discussing one-on-one with someone most of the time. And there's a lot of stuff in life that, you know, you, you really don't want to just sit down and have a serious conversation about. I, I might buy the, the idea that at some point those serious conversations have to happen. Um, but at the same time, before they can happen, we need to be able to bring this stuff up to begin with. A lot, a lot of the parts of the Bible are presented as humorous. Um, like I talk about this in the book that most uh, scholars of ancient, ancient uh, Near Eastern literature will tell you that Jonah, for instance, is very clearly a work of satire. Um, like it's, it's just, I mean, it, the, the last chapter of Jonah, which I, as I say in the book, you know, almost always gets cut out of the Sunday school version is just this deeply absurd, ironic twist on the story. I mean, what it gets at is, is how uncomfortable most of us are with other people receiving grace, you know, which is a, I mean, it's a real thing. And I don't know if Jonah would have been anywhere near as successful uh, as a book without that satirical edge. And reading it in that context, it's, it does give it a different spin. And in that way, I feel like that's how it's almost like your faith is getting a different workout, yeah. <laughs> if you want to think of it that way. Like you're being stretched in a different way to think of it in that way. Like who do we think deserves grace? And if humor is a way for us to see ourselves in that narrative, boy, we need that. Yeah. Because, I mean, to to think of Jonah as satire that that's great. I guess I guess as I. You know, in my work as a writer, um, I, I have to think a lot about how good writing isn't just conveying information to people. Um, it, it's also good writing will also manipulate the emotions, which I, I mean, manipulate might not be the best word. Um, I mean that in the best way, right? But affect the emotions. There you go. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, I think that's what I think that's ultimately what humor. Yeah, I mean that's part of what humor does, right? Or, or maybe that's all of what humor does um, is is um, by conveying the, this information with a twist of humor, we get we we affect people's emotions, which gets them to look at it in a new and different way, um, which potentially leads to learning, you know, and mm-hmm. further maybe further inquiry on their part. Um, which I left copious footnotes in the book for people who want to learn more. So <laughs> that is my favorite part. The footnotes and the puns were the best. 
Uh, well, Luke, we so appreciate that you would come and and talk with us a bit about humor and about your book. We will make sure that all of the links are available so that people can easily click. All you listeners out there, you're, you're going to want to grab this book. It's hard to put down. And like I said, the footnotes are gold. And uh, there's a lot in there. There's just so much. It's really rich. So well done on that, Luke. And thanks so much for being on Persuasion. Yeah, We're so you. glad you're here. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's it for today's conversation, but it's also it for this little mini series for summer, the Getting By series. All of those episodes are going to be linked up in our show notes in case you missed one. We do hope that you enjoyed all these guests, and uh, we hope that you have a few more ideas in your pocket for how you can get by in these days to come. And just because we're finishing the series does not mean that we're finishing the conversation. We would love you all to join us um, on Twitter. You can find us at Persuasion CAPC, or if you're in the Christ and Pop Culture Members Forum, you can pick up the discussion there. Um, if you're not a member, of course, you can become one for just $5 a month or more, where you support wonderful content like this, and you can talk to Luke too, right? So I'm there. There, there yeah. you go. <laughs> all of these benefits are yours. <laughs> the Christ and Pop Culture Members Forum. And you can help support um, these podcasts, the site, the magazine, all the things that go on in our community. We want to say thanks to Jonathan Clausen. He produces Persuasion and all the other shows in the Christ and Pop Culture Network. You can listen to them at Christ and Pop christandpopculture.com or you can go to iTunes and just search for Christ and Pop Culture. They will all show up there and we would love it if you would leave your iTunes ratings and reviews. That way more listeners can find us in the future. So we are so glad that you listen to Persuasion. We really appreciate it and we will catch you next time. You have been listening to Persuasion with Aaron Straza and Hannah Anderson, an official production of the Christ and Pop Culture Podcast Network. Please rate and review the show in iTunes and check out our other shows at christandpopculture.com slash network. Theme music by Maiden Name. This episode was brought to you in part by Wheaton College's M.A. in Humanitarian and Disaster Leadership, which prepares Christian professionals to serve others faithfully and excellently. Called to help people facing disasters, human trafficking, poverty, or displacement as refugees? Visit wheaton.edu hdl.